You're listening to episode 122 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is wrestling with your identity is part of the journey. Hi, my name is Sarah and I have a background in theology and a love for travel. Having visited nine different countries and served in five congregations, I wanted to create an environment that discusses and encourages the overlap of my two favorite things, the Lord and travel. And if you have a passion for these things or wanting to learn how God is such an integral part of our daily adventures, then you've come to the right place. Today's topic is wrestling with your identity is a part of the journey. This makes me think of the story of Jacob and Esau reuniting and when God gives Jacob a new name, how it's meant to change his identity. But sometimes those habits that have defined us for so long can be hard to change. And while Jacob definitely didn't have to file documents to travel the world, he struggled with something I think many of us do and we're going to be exploring that on a deeper level today. But before I dive into that, I just wanted to thank you for tuning in today and say I am so glad that you are here being a part of our Christian community and growing with our brothers and sisters in Christ as we travel the world. It's such an honor to be a part of you and this podcast is part of my business christian travelers network a faith-based travel agency that focuses on group retreats if you're wanting to travel and explore the world among brothers and sisters in christ then we have some retreats coming up for you one being in punta cana in january january 14th to 17th and early bird cutoff is September 25th. You don't want to miss out, so make sure that you head to our website for more details, and that is christiantravelers.net. But without further ado, let's dive into today's topic, and that is wrestling with your identity is part of the journey. As I said, this reminds me of the story of Jacob and Esau, and when God changes Jacob's name, he really struggles with this change in identity. And so I want to explore this piece of identity a little bit further by first telling you a story about myself. So my name is Sarah, and for the longest time, you know, that's the name that I went by. But somewhere in the midst of college and the drama of relationships and everything else, I decided to pack my bags and move to another college. Now, the move was planned no matter what, but the drama built around this time period. And I just felt like my identity and how everyone around me saw me was one way. And I and I wanted to change that. I think I was involved in theater. I was involved... I was very outgoing and goofy and unintentionally I had flirted with pretty much every guy in my friend group at some point or dated them and I was just kind of tired of the college stereotype. I'd went to a Christian school and and the stereotype was that, you know, this was your chance to meet the one and so there was always pressure if you had a good conversation with 
someone of the opposite gender, hey, who are you two hooking up? What's happening? And I was just like, okay, I just want to focus on me for a little bit. So I went to a Concordia, and at the time, there were 10 Concordia universities in the United States. So I decided to flip schools, go to Concordia, Portland, sight unseen, which I know sounds kind of crazy, but I was like, you know, I want to have that experience of I have no idea where I'm going, I don't know what I'm getting into, and I'm just going to grow. And so I went to Concordia, Portland. It was a super small campus, but the biggest difference I noticed between attending a Concordia in Nebraska and one in Portland is in Nebraska, it was a small town. It was maybe 8,000 people. So entertainment was your friends. In Portland, people went out and did all kinds of stuff. I went to a grilled cheese bus that was a restaurant. I went rockwell climbing. I went hiking. I played a lot of frisbee golf. Like it was a very active place. And so I decided to go by Eliza and I went by this name in this town and decided to really just say, Eliza is this. Eliza is active. Eliza is okay being single. Eliza is XYZ. And I just tried to build basically this new identity because these people had never met me before. They had no preconceived notions of who I am. And I remember getting out at the airport and being greeted by my RA and I just walked right by her. She was like, Eliza? And I just kept walking because I wasn't used to responding to that name. And I wasn't used to this new identity. I walked by, then realized, oh, I'm supposed to respond to that now. Turn back and, you know, started introducing myself. And it took a lot of time. Like, I'd be in the middle of a handshake and people would be like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I would be like, hi, I am. Like, I'm thinking about it, Eliza. <laughs> you know, it, it took time to remember that this was my new identity. And then I went back to Nebraska and I tried to impose this new identity um, after a semester, I tried to impose this new identity on other people. And there were a lot of people that felt very uncomfortable calling me Eliza. They're like, you're Sarah to me. And I ended up in new friend circles and I ended up, you know, making new connections. But at the same time, I questioned still if they were as deep as the original ones I'd had at Nebraska. And, you know, there's just this sense and wonder that we put on identity. And sometimes in our culture, we let this identity go too far. We make it sinful. We make it something that we control instead of God controls. We put our identity in our idols instead of in what God seeks of us. So if you are someone who has ever wrestled with how people perceive you and trying to change that perception to align with you. Like I know some people we've we've changed our identity to be more in line with Christ and you have this backstory where you got off the road at some point. Maybe you weren't raised in church, maybe um you fell away from church for a while and you ended up in this environment that was toxic and unhealthy and you were making poor decisions and you surrounded with yourself with people who supported those decisions at the time, but now you're suddenly moving back to this path of putting your identity back into Christ 
And, and now we have to separate ourselves. We have to separate ourselves from the things that want to reinforce the sinful identity. And it can be hard. It can be hard to either break those friendships or, or put those boundaries into place or whatever so that we are not tempted to put our identity in the wrong things. And if you're someone whose identity has really affected your travels, affected who you interacted with, then maybe you'll relate to this story of Jacob and Esau in chapters 32 and 33. Quick recap of family drama. We have Sarah and Abraham give birth to a son named Isaac. Isaac marries Rebecca. They have two twins, Jacob and Esau. There's a lot of family drama between the two. Jacob means deceiver, and he steals Esau's birthright and his blessing, moves to another land to find a wife, and ends up finding his uncle Laban, where he ends up working for 14 years for two wives, Rachel and Leah. Not his desired outcome, but he's now married to two women. Then he works another six years for a herd and for a livelihood. So it's been 20 years and now he's on his way back home and how he left things with his family was not great. So he's not sure what he's coming back to. And so in the start of chapter 32, we see that Jacob encounters angels again in the camp where his family his livestock, all of his community is hanging out. And he remembers that this is a place of the Lord. So he calls it God's camp or Mahanaim. I'm not sure if I'm saying that quite correctly, but he returns back to his task and almost instantly forgets that he is literally surrounded by angels and he returns to this fear. He is afraid that Esau still sees him as his previous identity and that Esau is going to riot against his camp. So to keep them safe, he splits them all up, sends them all in different directions so that his family and loved ones are not in a place that would be seen as the main camp and therefore they might not get hurt um, and it would protect his belongings. And then he prays out to God and he reminds God, hey, you promise that there's going to be a lot of multitudes of generations, uh, as numerous as the sands and the stars, and that they're going to come from my line. Don't you dare forget it. He reminds God of his promise and then he decides to set out. Even though he reminds God of his promise, and he's probably reminding himself too, there's still this element of fear but also an element of trust. So it's hard to say what his true motive is here, but he decides to send ahead of him 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 donkeys, and he has them divided out by herds and has the servants go ahead of him and say to Esau when Esau asks, to whom they belong and where they're going and whose are these ahead of you, they are to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my lord Esau. And moreover, 
Jacob is behind us. And he instructs all of them to say this, but to space themselves out. So Esau's going to be standing up there and going, who are you? Oh, these are gifts and Jacob's coming. These are gifts and Jacob's coming. These are gifts. Like Jacob is trying to soften up Esau for stealing his blessing, for stealing his birthright, for running away from the family and all the family drama. And Jacob decides to camp out for a night. He's not going to head immediately. We got to let let this marinate for a little bit. And so that night he sends his wives and children across the bank so that they're safe. And then he's completely alone. And a man begins to wrestle with him. And it's unclear here if Jacob thinks originally he's wrestling with Esau. But somewhere along the line, he realizes that this is God, specifically Jesus. It's God in man form. But he recognizes this. And in the middle of wrestling with God, Jesus says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And if you recall, Jacob means to deceive, which really was a large part of his identity as he grew up. And Israel, I looked it up on different baby name things and other things that you can Google about Israel. And there were other name meanings out there like God perseveres or fighter of God, all kind of having that same tone that for Jacob to be the one who God's promises flow through. He can no longer be the deceiver. He has to be the one who is a fighter of God, a one who has a relationship with the Lord, who isn't deceptive and conniving. He is of the Lord. So Jacob is given a new identity. He has these this army of angels around him, and yet he still has a sense of fear. Because he knows what his old identity, the identity that Jesus just wiped clean, how it hurt those around him. So he's probably in a state of repentance. He is definitely fearful of how Esau is going to greet him. And eventually the wrestling with the Lord ends, but God puts his hip out of place. And so he has a limp. And when he finally meets Esau, he bows seven times, which is a sign of being a servant. Um, And he's really trying to stay like, I'm trying to be humble. I'm not trying to be the same boastful, proud and arrogant man that I used to be. Um, And he's trying to show that his identity has indeed changed, not just from this name change, but from 20 years of being deceived himself by Laban. And he wants to be this different person. But he's, he's still afraid because Esau says, hey, what is the meaning of all of this? And Jacob's like, these are gifts for your servant because it's like, or seeing you is like looking on the face of God. And in that moment, Esau could have killed Jacob because what he was essentially saying is, you know, seeing the face of God is a reason to have died. Um, we know that those who see Jesus, God in man form, Um, typically in scripture, don't die. But God the Father, this, um, God 
the Trinity. Like, realistically, God is to be feared, but we, we also read in Scripture, looking on God's face, it, it is... A lot of people die, would die if they would see God's face because they'd be so aware of their sin and their um, faults that, you know, they would, they would perish for seeing something so pure. And so he's saying, like, it's the same thing with you, bro. So you can either kill me or accept this gift. And Esau decides to accept the gift. And then Esau says, hey, let me travel with you on to Seir and we'll I'll protect your herds and things and Jacob says hey man like I have a bunch of young children I have young flocks it would be better that I don't push them too hard that we go at our own pace and then Esau says okay well I'm gonna go on to Sierra but I'll leave some people to guard you and keep you safe and make sure you make it there safely and he's like no 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 you don't need to do that we'll be fine and then Jacob doesn't go to Seir. He goes to Succoth and he establishes a place of livelihood. He builds homes and pens for his animals. He is moving from a, like, he's establishing a home, not a nomadic style, but a home. And to me, when I read some of the commentaries on this, you know, it said that maybe he went on to Seir and, like, just visited his brother and didn't just, like, totally bail on his bro. But to me, personally, when I read this, I get this sense of the fear is still there. He's still nervous, even though his brother has accepted this gift. He's lived with 20 years of guilt, of fear, and shame, and in that moment wasn't able to truly come to acceptance that his identity has changed, and so has his brother's. And as a traveler... I think we can relate to this story because sometimes our travels change us more than we realize. And if you've ever traveled somewhere and like lived internationally for a while, you experience this crazy homesickness, this realization that this country is nothing like your own. Oftentimes, if you come from a Western culture into, I don't know, a non-Western culture, you see that going to the store is very different. There's one option for mustard and there's one option for ketchup and and you you get overwhelmed by the lack of decisions you have to make and you get overwhelmed by different customs and language barriers and just this sense of things are different. But the same can be said when you come home too. Then you're like, well, this place is home, but now I'm overwhelmed by the fact that there are 20 different bottles of ketchup and 20 different mustards, and it's not uncommon to have a meltdown in the middle of Walmart because you're just overwhelmed by these decisions. Your identity has changed, but yet you still cling to a piece of that old identity, and you're not sure where you fit anymore. And that's what travel is is an opportunity to change and for the Holy Spirit to make huge impacts on you and it can be scary and and sometimes devastating and it can hurt and be uncomfortable but it can also be a huge huge blessing just like we saw with Jacob and Esau we see it in our own lives when crazy changes happen and we come back to old people and they think we're still one way and we're not anymore. And sometimes that can make us feel uncomfortable because we want to be more like our old self. 
I, I now I've gone back to being Sarah and sometimes I recognize that as an adult, I've suffered with more depression. I've suffered with more anxiety. I've struggled with my people pleasing and there was a season when I felt super adventurous and super outgoing and, and after being through a pandemic, I feel so foreign to who I think I am. I think I'm still this crazy adventurer, but I witness myself sit in front of the TV and watch Netflix time and time again, and I feel uncomfortable by that. And so identities change and come and go, and we can find ourselves comparing ourselves to others or, or comparing ourselves to a, a world of things. But what our identity needs to rest in is God. And, and as this story continues to unfold with Jacob and Esau, we see that God has to remind Jacob again to call him back out to the place where he wrestled with Jesus and bring his whole family with him. And for God to announce again, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. This is who you need to be going by. You are no longer a deceiver, but a fighter of God. This way, others around him also can reinforce that and help him remember that his identity is in God. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I thank you so much for each and every single one of these travelers. I thank you for how you are constantly shaping and molding each and every single one of us to be more and more like you. In the uncomfortability of travel, when we find ourselves wrestling with our identities, bring us back to you. Remind us that our identity may change with time, but part of that is the growing and shaping of being your child. Help those around us to reinforce that our identity is in you and not in this world. Help them to also see those changes as positive ones and to be encouragers in the process. All this we ask in your precious name. Amen. Well, Christian Travelers, I hope that you have enjoyed listening to today's podcast and that you will feel motivated to travel and be open to the possibility of the change that travel brings. And if you're wanting to dive into God's word and experience this change among brothers and sisters in Christ, I truly encourage that you join us at our retreat in Punta Cana this January 14th through 17th. Early bird cutoff is September 25th, which is coming up. So make sure that you have signed up and reserved your spot. We're going to have a lot of fun exploring Punta Cana, but also meditating on God's word, building friendships, and trying some things that make us uncomfortable, but can bring about a miraculous change as well. You can find out more about that on our website, christiantravelers.net. And if you enjoyed today's episode, some of the ways that you can support us is by leaving a review, subscribing to this podcast, and sharing it with a friend. Each of those things helps us to get our podcast in front of more listeners so that they too can be changed and grow in their identity in Christ. Until next time, safe travels and God bless.